Look at Acts chapter number 20 tonight. Go down to verse number 17. Paul is fixing to leave where he is uh, and heading out, and eventually he's heading to his death. Uh, he'll die a martyr's death. He's got a shipwreck. He's got some snake bites that he's fixing to walk into in the latter chapters, but he's fixing to head out uh, from one place to the next. But look at verse number 17. The Bible says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Remember, we've been talking about the pastor. You have the word pastor, bishop, elder. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. Can I say if a man changes because of the season, you need to check him out. And if he changes because of the season, Ecclesiastes says to everything there is a season. There's going to be high seasons and low seasons and dry seasons and fruitful seasons, but none of that ought to change the man of God. None of it, he ought not to bend on his standards and his convictions because uh, really I'm not in control of the season. I'm just in control whether I show up or not. <laughs> the same is true in your life tonight. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. How I came, how I kept nothing or back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. If a man's message changes because of the crowd that he's in front of, it ought not to be that way. Preacher, you're being hard on yourself tonight. Listen, accountability is a good thing. Preacher, if you say you've got to hold yourself accountable, that's the plan, Amen. And now behold, verse number 22, I go bound in spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. <laughs> Even the apostle Paul didn't know what tomorrow held. Verse 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in in the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record, or record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Could you say that tonight? You told everybody you're supposed to tell? You shared the gospel everybody you're supposed to share it with? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Take heed, therefore, yourselves of the, all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of yourselves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone day, night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, 
Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. And to them that were with me, I've showed you all things. How so that, or how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Sunday school class, there's your paradox. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you just for the atmosphere. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of God. Thank you for the liberty of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, I sure do love what you've called me to do. Lord, there's nothing else I'd rather do. There's nothing more exciting to me than to open up the word of God and to feed the flock of God that is among me and before me. And I ask you tonight, Lord, you just take the word of God. Help us to understand the truth out of it tonight, how it applies to the pastor, how it applies to the church. And I ask you tonight, Lord, you just hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. And Lord, help me to preach, Lord. Thus saith the Lord, help me to preach with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit tonight. And Lord, I just want to be used of you one more time. Lord, I sure do love you, and I sure am grateful. Lord, for this precious flock, God, that you've given here, us here at South Haven Baptist Church, Lord, I sure am grateful and privileged, God, to be the pastor here. Lord, I'm thankful for friends in the ministry that are faithfully serving God in the place that you've put them. And I ask you, Lord, you bless them, put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, they know the ins and outs of ministry. God, they've seen the underbelly. God, they know how it can get dark. But I'm thankful, Lord, for their faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just work on our hearts and help us this evening. Be an encouragement, correct us, challenge us, convict us. Lord, whatever you want in our life tonight, Lord, we'll be open to it and receptive to it. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Paul, it's like I said, he's beginning to leave and there's a, there's a, a theme or there's a, a repeated action that you'll find in the word of God. And it's very interesting to me is right before men are, are either leaving or the men of God are leaving or, or they know they're about to die, you can go back and a lot of times you can find their last charges, the last words that they are saying to those around them. You can find it in Moses. You can find it in Joshua. You can find it in David. And here Paul is about to leave from where he is, heading uh, hopefully to Jerusalem. And uh, along that way, he's going to go through some things. But he knows this, that these believers and these elders and these pastors here in Ephesus, he knows this is the last time I'm going to see them. This is the last time they're going to see my face, and this is the last time I'm going to see their face. And he says, before I go, I've got some words that I'm going to share with you, or I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. In essence, we've already looked at how the pastor ought to be a qualified man. We looked at those qualifications found in Timothy and Titus, and then he ought to, not only should he be a qualified man, but he should be a concerned man. In essence, he should be concerned and caring for the flock of God that God has placed him over, understanding that it is not his flock, but it's God's flock. It's not his church church, but it's God's church, and he ought to be concerned for it, and he ought to be caring for it, and he ought to be loving towards those people. We looked at that last week, and tonight, we're going to see what Paul is trying to tell these men, and say, you better be courageous men. 
A pastor ought to just a pastor ought to be qualified. He ought to be concerned, but he also ought to be a courageous man. Why, preacher? Why should the man of God, or why does he need to be courageous? Because of the, the role of the pastor, the position of pastor, it's more than just a title. In essence, it becomes a battlefield. It becomes a, 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 a you're leading by example, and the pastor's going to fight battles. And it's not that the pastor fights a greater battle than you fight, or the pastor's battles are harder than your battles tonight. We all fight battles. But we see here tonight, Paul was expressly telling these elders in Ephesus, listen, y'all, if y'all don't have courage, you better go find it. And here's why. We find it there in verse number 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock. Paul said, you fellas are going to have to find courage. He said, because when I step out of here and I head on to where I'm supposed to be going, you mark it down. It's not an if, it's not a maybe, it's not a, it could happen, it could not happen. He said, when I leave out of here, the wolves are going to see that Paul's left. And here, why, why, would the Paul, why would the wolves wait until Paul left? I think the wolves got the point from Paul. Paul wasn't going to play with them. Paul wasn't going to try to tame them. Paul wasn't going to try to try to uh, uh, appease them. Paul was going to run them out of town, out of the church. And Paul said, listen, when I leave out of here, that wolf is going to see an opening. That wolf is going to see a void. And he's going to try his best to come in and cause grief in the church and cause grief in the flock and cause grief in the body of Christ. He said, well, preacher, preacher, why? Why does a man of God need to be courageous? Because that is the pastor's role to be able to discern between a sheep and a wolf and be able to say, listen, you don't need to be here. There's nothing good here. Here's the thing tonight. Well, so preacher, can sheep become wolves? Let me ask you that in a physical sense. Has a sheep ever become a wolf? <laughs> the answer to that is no. Sheeps don't become wolves. Sheeps are sheep and wolves are wolves. A little biology lesson for you tonight. What are you trying to say, Brother Tate? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about a backslid slid believer. I'm not talking about somebody who's got confused in their doctrine and they're trying their best to figure out. I'm talking about somebody who is a wolf. In essence, they have come in for one purpose. And here's the thing tonight. You may not always recognize the wolf. You may not always see the wolf. But can I say God will take the pastor and God will reveal to the pastor and say that man or that person is a wolf. You need to get them out. You need, to, you, need to, you need to put up your guard. You need to protect the sheep. Notice the word right there in verse number 29. What kind of wolves are they? They're grievous wolves. They're heavy in weight. They're violent. They're cruel. They're unsparing. It's the same word that Jesus used when he was telling and talking about the Pharisees' religion. He compared what the Pharisees believed in teaching and forcing upon others as a grievous wolf. It's, un, it's, it's unsparing. In essence, there is no mercy. There is no grace. There is no concern. It's violent. It's cruel. Ezekiel chapter number 22 tonight. Turn there. Keep your place there. Acts will be back there. But we see here tonight in Ezekiel chapter number 22 as God is dealing with the nation of Israel. If you go down to verse, uh, let's see here, verse number 25, we're going to work our way down to verse 27. When I was going through this, I seen a pattern. 
I've seen, I've seen how this play, can I say tonight, devil doesn't have anything new. He is not ingenious. He's not over there trying to craft something brand new. He's taking what he's always done. He's rebranding it. He's reimaging it. He's making it look different to fit into our times, but he has nothing to do. It is always the same progression. Look at verse number 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Oh, they took away the head. Took away the head of the home, the widow. And he's not, I don't think he's talking necessarily, and I'm not talking about it, you know, your husband passed away. The devil's behind. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. But can I say there's a lot of homes, spiritually speaking, the home is lacking the head. And we see this pattern. Well, it starts in the home. Notice here it goes down in verse number 26. Her priest have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath and have I, I profaned among them. And I, I, listen tonight, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be ugly. But if any man is willing to take that which is known to be worldly and wicked and then to take that which is holy and try to mix them together, can I say it's not of God? We were talking about in our Sunday school class this morning. I, I, I drew out a, a Venn diagram. We were talking about God's way and the world's way when it comes to dating, when it comes to finding the right one or, or becoming the right one. And I said, God has this way and, and the world has this way. And normally in a Venn diagram, the middle part is what they have in common. Can I say God's way in the world doesn't have anything in common? Has no common ground, has no similarity, and they ought not to be mixed. But we see here, we see the, the home loses the spiritual head, and then you go into a church where they're bringing in the world and trying to call it holy. Preacher, people really do that more than you know. Preacher, how in the world they, are they willing? How in the world can they do that? And the only answer I can give you tonight is they, they're probably being pastored by a wolf being pastored by a wolf or somebody who's completely ignorant. But look at verse number 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Can I say a wolf in the congregation doesn't, it doesn't, only has one plan, only has one agenda to destroy to destroy, I got to thinking about it. There's a lot of wild animal farms. We went back to Nebraska one time on vacation and we visited an elk and bison farm. These animals used to run wild on the prairies of Nebraska. Now they got them in a farm. It was quite interesting, really, uh, to get on it. You see a bison, like, man, that thing is huge. And then they sold beef jerky, or excuse me, bison jerky at the end of it. It was a wonderful trip. And then I got to thinking, I wonder if I just ate a bison that was out in the field last year. <laughs> but let me ask you, you ever been to a wolf farm? I've never been. I've never been to the petting zoo and there's, there's a goat and there's a rabbit and there's a squirrel and there's a cow and, and there's a wolf. Why? Because wolves aren't about that. Wolves are predators. They are looking for prey. And the Bible tells us exactly what going, their plan is when, when they, they, they sneak their way into the church. <laughs> Here's the thing. You ever heard this phrase? They are wolves in sheep's clothing. 
In essence, they're not going to come in with their teeth reared out and, and their, their hair sticking up and their growl out loud. They're going to come in looking just like you. That's why discernment's a real thing. And we see the grievous wolf in verse number 27. What is the, the ravening, the prey, to shed blood and destroy souls and to get dishonest. In essence, they are here to destroy us and destroy you and take everything you have. And that's why the pastor has to be a courageous man because he's got to be willing to walk up to the wolf and say, you ain't welcome here. This is not your place, buddy. You need to go find you another church. You need to go find you somewhere else. But God doesn't put you a wolf. You might as well get out of here. Preacher, you, you that serious? We're supposed to love everybody and we're supposed to accept everybody in unless they're a wolf. <laughs> I don't know about you. If you're raised in sheep, I, I, I would not keep wolves and sheep in the same pen. Because pretty soon you're going to have a wolf and no sheep. We see here the, the, the pastors call on him and Paul tells him in Acts chapter 20, listen, there's a wolf coming. You better find some courage because you're going to stand up and face it. I, I remember a man telling me one time, he said, pastors are crazy. I didn't disagree with the statement. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't think I was a pastor yet when he made the statement. He said, but pastors are crazy. He said, they're, they're like firefighters. He said, firefighters are the only people that run into a burning building. Pastors are just like that. Can I say, and I'm not trying to make light of what firefighters do, but can I say it's a whole lot more dangerous to take on a wolf than it's a burning building? Because if you mess up, you get it wrong. You've opened up the flock of God to the attacks of a wolf. It's a weighty thing. It's a, he said, there's a, a man of God needs to be a courageous man because there's going to be a wolf waiting on him. It's not an if, but it's a win. Preacher, who do you think the wolf is in here? It's not the point of the sermon tonight. Listen, if you're saved by the grace of God, you're a sheep. <laughs> you're not a wolf. And if you're saved by the grace of God, when the man of God preaches the word of God and the Holy Spirit deals with your heart and you have that conviction, you have that, 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 that challenge and that, that, that desire to do right tonight, you, you follow that, you, you repent, you get those things right tonight, you fall back in line. But a wolf's not going to do that. Wolf is lacking the Holy Spirit. The wolf is lacking the, the, the touch of God and the leading of God and cares nothing about the word of God except for where they can take a verse and use it for their advantage. The pastor has to be courageous because that's who God has called to take on the wolf. <laughs> Could you imagine? A little shepherd and he's got his little sheep and he spots the wolf off in the distance. Y'all go get him. I'm going to stay back here. Y'all go fight them wolves. I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. <laughs> it is not my duty to do that. I'm just supposed to preach. Paul said, you boys better get ready. There's some wolves coming for you. Pastor ought to be a courageous man because of the grievous wolf. He also ought to be a courageous man because there's a glory hog. Look at verse number 30. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw disciples after them. He, he, he said, listen, listen, not only is there ones coming, here's the thing, if Satan can't come from the outside, he don't mind sneaking in from the inside. Oh, preacher, the devil can't get in uh, into what God's doing. I beg to differ. We could turn back to Genesis tonight. 
I think Adam and Eve had a pretty good relationship with God. They walked with him in the cool of the day. They had an appointed time and appointed place where they met with God. And who shows up? Satan does. Now, he didn't come in in a roar and in a big name tag, red suit and a pitchfork. Then I'm Satan. Do what I say. The Bible said he's what? Subtle. He's subtle. And also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What do you mean, preacher? Every, listen, if it hasn't happened here yet, mark it. Look, we talked about being prepared this morning. We ought to be prepared this morning to realize that more than likely, if it happened in Paul's day at a church like Ephesus, then we are not immune from it. Someone will come here speaking crazy, perverse things, right? Things that absolutely make, they're distorted. They oppose the plan of God. They are corrupt. People think it's about them in a crowd. Why? Here's the whole point. To draw away disciples after them. They want a crowd. That's why anytime I, I'm not for cliques, I'm not for special groups, I'm not, I'm not for I hang out with you, but I'm not hanging out with them or, or you know, we're the cool kids, y'all the lame kids. I'm not for cliques because they tear churches up faster than you can imagine. There's no need for a church to be uh, uh, separate. Well, this is, this is the money crowd. This is the redneck crowd. You know you can't be in both crowds. <laughs> Rednecks don't know what to do with money. <laughs> and people who got money don't have rednecks. <laughs> now there's a few in between. And we all know they're crazy. <laughs> Get a little bit of money the first thing they buy. <laughs> Jacked up truck. <laughs> Upgrade from a single wide to a triple wide. <laughs> what we see here tonight, there's, there's a glory hog. The pastor's got to have courage because that, God's put him in charge. God's placed him in the position of authority. It's not right for the pastor to say, hey, go fight the battle that God has told me to fight. The same thing is true in your life. There's battles in your life that God is wanting you to fight by his power and he's not expecting anybody else to do it. See, one of the things we like to do, we, I, that, Lord, help me, this ain't for me. It is sometimes. It is your battle to fight sometimes or the, the allow the Lord to fight for you. <laughs> and here's the thing, they come from within. And, and a lot of the times the pastor has to deal with them without you knowing about it. They have to deal with it without you knowing about it. It's the same thing. If the wolf or whatever shows up in, in the, 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 the flock there and the pastor's not going to say, hey, y'all, look at the wolf over there because what do sheep do when they're scared? Run every which way but the way they're supposed to go. And the pastor understands, well, I've got to deal with it before it gets out because it's going to tear us up if it gets out. And what are you trying to say about pre uh, preacher? What, what, are you, what are you trying to say? Who, who's the glory hog in here? I'm not trying to point fingers and point people out tonight. What I'm trying to help you to realize is that the pastor, whether it's me or another man, if he's qualified, if he's concerned, if he's God called, you got to realize he's fighting battles you don't know nothing about. Can I say tonight, I've took on wolves and y'all don't know about it. And I like it that way. I've had to take on, I don't want to say I take on people. <laughs> but I've had to deal with issues that I knew 
that if it got out, it would cause a whole lot of damage. So there was times where I was, I was attacked. And I'm not trying to build myself. I'm just trying to tell you how it is. <laughs> and I counted an honor to serve God. I counted a privilege to serve him. But you got to realize pastors are fighting battles that you aren't even aware of. I love what Paul said. I can't remember where it was. But Paul talked about all those things that he went through. And then he said on top of that, the ministry. Now, I was never disrespectful to pastors. I, I've always had a, you know, held them up, thought they were great men. And, but can I say, I did have some naive, naivety, however you say that word, naiveness when I became pastor here. There were some things I thought, well, I'll show them how it's done. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. But I have learned that my role in the role of the pastor tonight is to say, you know what? I'll take that battle on. I'll take that wolf on. I'll take that, 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 that perverse teaching that, that those, those men that will rise up with perverse teaching and say, hey, that ain't right. You know, God let me get a taste of that before I ever pastored. <laughs> I could say, how many of y'all remember being in Sunday school that one Sunday morning? <laughs> me and a man got in a disagreement. I was right. He was wrong. Preacher, I got Bible. <laughs> and it wasn't a, I'm going to twist it just a little bit to make it work. I had clear scripture as to every sin a man's ever committed, he's made it by choice. He said, no, that's not true. I said, well, well we're here. <laughs> I didn't back down. I didn't call them names. I didn't get ugly with them, but I, didn't, I wasn't going to back down off of it because I knew I had Bible for it. He said, well, you just don't know. Here, here's, here's where it's, he had a personal experience that he couldn't explain and that, that he, he couldn't quali you know, quantify in his mind. So he had to be right and the word of God had to be wrong. <laughs> he stood up the night I became pastor and said, I will not stand underneath you or sit underneath you, and he didn't. And I didn't go chase him. <laughs> God, God let me get a taste of it before I was even the pastor. I was running people out of Sunday school before I was ever a pastor of a church. <laughs> but all jokes aside, pastors are fighting battles you, you know nothing about. And the pastor wants it to be that way. It's not, a, it's not a sinful thing on the pastor's end. It's not a wrong thing on his end. He just knows that if I can keep this quiet in the sense that it doesn't get out, there's less people that are going to get hurt. Less lie, because they only have one purpose. They only have one plan tonight. The wolf doesn't care about you. The glory hog doesn't care about you. They just want something from you and when they get it, they're done with you. He said, if Satan can't get in from the outside, he'll try to sneak in from the inside. He's subtle. But notice what, what happens, what takes place here tonight and I've got one itty bitty page of notes tonight. <laughs> Normally when I have less notes, I preach. I don't know how that works. Got more notes, I preach short. Less notes, I preach long. And so you're just stuck here until I get done. <laughs> but we see here tonight that there's, there's a wolf, there's a glory hog. And notice this, Paul tells them, listen, you're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have, to be, you're going to have courage, elders, pastors, men at Ephesus. You're going to have, to have courage. You're going to have to deal with them. Because he said there is going to be a, a building 
aspect to this, but it only comes after the battle. Look at verse number 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Paul said, I fought a battle for three years. And he said, now that I was faithful, now that God has seen me through, now, now we can build upon the grace of God, the truth of God's word. I think sometimes men go through Bible college and they get the wrong idea of what ministry is. Build, 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 build. There's nothing wrong with big crowds, big, big buildings. All, it's, all that stuff's wonderful. Thank God for air conditioning, amen? Not against it. Thank God for sound systems. Thank God for Brother Kirk and make that thing crank up and go. <laughs> well, I tell you what, he's a good choir director, ain't he? Amen. You know a good choir director, he can, he can tune up a choir and a car. <laughs> amen. There's not many that can do that, but Brother Kirk can do it, amen? I've seen it both firsthand. <laughs> I have no idea what I was saying. <laughs> it's gone, oh, the, the building, right? We, we build, we build, we build, we build. And they realize that that building only takes place after a battle because you won't be able to build with a wolf. You won't be able to build with the glory hog. They won't let you because it's about them and not what God's doing. And so the pastor has to have courage to say, you know what? I love you. <laughs> or I wish the best for you. But this ain't the place for you. See, that's not, that's not modern-day American prosperity gospel. You just got, you, got to let, you got to love everybody. I understand that tonight. Be kind, be nice to everybody. But the church is a holy place. The church is for the church. It ain't for the wolf. The wolf's made their decision. They've identified who they're going to identify with. They ain't a sheep. Well, preacher, if we love on them long enough, they'll turn into a sheep. Once again, I challenge you to go find a wolf that's ever turned into a sheep. Preacher, they're trans species. If you haven't figured out yet, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Amen. We got signs in our bathroom. You better use the one that you're born. <laughs> Amen. I better not find out. <laughs> well, I'm just going to stop there. Especially if I find out my daughter's. Well, yeah, we're going to fight. <laughs> that whole qualification out being a brawler, it doesn't apply in that situation. But a pastor has to be a courageous man, a man of courage, because he's going to have to fight a wolf. And you're not going to know anything about it. <laughs> you're going to come into church and you're going to say, man, it sure is good here. God's gave us unity. He's given us liberty. He's given us all those things. The pastor says, yeah, he sure has. But it's because he took care of a wolf. And he's got rid of those perverse teachings. Pastor ought to be a courageous man. Preacher, how can, I, how can I pray for my pastor better? Pray God give him courage. That when he sees the wolf, he doesn't run. But in the authority of God's word, he walks right up to him and says, hey, this ain't for you no more. This is God's flock. You ain't welcomed here. You need to go on somewhere. Go find your little wolf friends and go somewhere else. Pray for the pastor that he has courage tonight. He ought to be a qualified man. He ought to be a concerned man. And you ought to be a courageous man. Let's pray to Heavenly Father.